It's the Daily Talk Show, episode 783. Coming to us from NZ, Bree Thomasell. How are you? Welcome, welcome. Boys, hello, lads. I'm glad it only took 783 uh, episodes to get the call up, but I'm glad to be here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I'm glad it only took uh, 50 minutes of troubleshooting to get you uh, your microphone working. Yeah, we sent uh, a guy with a cable who <laughs> went across the ocean to connect it uh, directly. We're glad it's working. No. I'm so glad we are able to connect across the ditch. Good to be here. <laughs> how, how are you? How's it? Um, how's uh, COVID life in NZ? I mean, it's not really much going on over there, is it? Yeah, I mean, you know, I I feel like things here are quite different compared to the rest of the world. Um, and I'm, but I mean, we went through a hectic period where it was complete lockdown. Um, you couldn't even pat dogs when you went walking. It was like my worst nightmare. Um, and then we kind of put in all this hard work and I think it was about seven weeks where we pretty much were in lockdown and now we're kind of come out the other side. Um, there's been a few like, you know, slip ups here and there, but nothing too bad. So it's, it's pretty good over here at the moment, to be honest, guys. You allowed to pet dogs or is that, um, still the no, no? No, you're allowed to pet dogs now. Um, or I just haven't checked the T's and C's and I've just decided <laughs> to pat dogs now. <laughs> you make it sound like a competition, no. the T's and C's. Yeah, right. Um, but how, that... how are things back home? How are things in Aussie going? Like what's oh, the latest there? Yeah, because, yeah. I mean, Thanks it's for been asking. Pretty hectic in Victoria. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's not great. Nah, I mean, Victoria's doing the worst. Uh, mm-hmm. So if we're best good at anything, it's doing the worst, being yeah. the worst. Yeah. So we, I reckon yeah. we are talking about it before. We reckon there probably will be like that second lockdown thing. Oh, already... But isn't it like the classic last three months is like you, the mate next to you saying, mate, I'll tell you what, Thursday, it's going to be locked down. Yeah, yeah. But then if I'm right, it will look really no, good. You've been it? right a few times. Yeah. But I just, I mean, are you much of a news junkie? Do you get into like reading up or what, following all this stuff? Oh, I'm a bloody radio nerd. So, of course, yeah. I'm always on the, you know, we would always tune in for the updates that Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern and uh, Ashley Bloomfield would give here. It was like um, watching sport. There was no mm-hmm. sport to watch. So we would all wait for the update. How many cases today? And when we got that big zero, um, you know, we celebrated like we'd won the state of origin over here. Yeah. <laughs> and it was premature, wasn't it? Wasn't there a big <laughs> celebration? And it's like, oh, fuck, we got one. Yeah, so that was a big fuck up from the government. Uh, two two ladies came back into the country and then they said, so they were on um, compassionate um, entry because their mum was dying and they had to travel from Auckland to mm. Wellington and the rules were that they had to go from their quarantine hotel all the way to Wellington without stopping, which is about an eight-hour drive. And um, anyway, their story was is that they got lost on the mm-hmm. way and stopped in to see some family members to get directions, and then mm. turns out they bloody had the COVID. So oh, no. you know uh, they weren't too very they weren't very popular here in New Zealand. Those two <laughs> ladies. Um, so you you do the drive show on ZM. You took over from uh, our mates Jason PJ. The drive time show. You you do get to touch some of the more lighthearted news. I've heard you doing the uh, a pig was spotted running around the town. Any 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 doozies lately? Just amongst the the craziness. Um, I think just lots of fart content uh, coming <laughs> mainly from my corner, um, so to speak. No, I like to keep it as light as possible, um, and. 
I think there's a balance, guys, of like doing that really silly, stupid stuff, but then also doing some, you know, genuine, real chats about, you know, things that are happening in the world, but not too heavy. So like I think Mm. last week one of my favourite pieces of content we did was we talked about Will Smith and Jada Pinkett Smith, um, which I mean I'm not too interested in like in the entertainment world, but that story about their relationship and how it's a really like unconventional type of relationship or what society sees as like a very unconventional relationship. And we talked about that on the air and then we got people to call through if they uh, were in, you know, what society deemed an unconventional type of relationship. And it was just so interesting and I think so important to put that kind of content on the air sometimes where you can open some people's minds and worlds as Mm. to, you know, something different. Um, mm. which I really enjoy that type of stuff as well. What, uh, what, was, what was going on? What's some uh, insight? Blow our minds. Because so I've, I've got one from one Shep. One of the girls that I've called through, she was in a relationship with um, two other people. Um, they called themselves a thruple because they were all dating each other and time, which is different to, I believe, polyamory, which is where Mm. you can date multiple people at the same time, but you're not all dating each other at the same time, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I Um, I mean, I don't mind that. that. It's not crazy (laughs) though, is it? I thought it was going to be something like... But no, but even, like, think about that now. Imagine if you had another girlfriend, Josh, Mm -hmm. and so there's the you, Brie, and Dupree. But I guess you, um, uh, there is... Like if you watch like a Louis Theroux doco or whatever, there's yeah. there's a lot of that sort but of I shit. I think it's when you put it onto yourself and say, yeah, what, would I, what would yeah, I yeah, be comfortable with? Bree, yeah. there was one, we got this guy that called through and he said um, he he ended up hooking up with his wife's sister and married yep. her and then his wife, um, his <laughs> wife's, Basically, he did the switcheroony with his brother. Oh, okay, yeah, his brother sure. was married to his wife's sister. Mm-hmm. He went no. with his brother's wife. And then his <laughs> brother went with his wife. Mm-hmm. And so they just literally swapped mm-hmm. out. Yeah. And That's did they have movie. kids with both? Like, did they mesh all the kids? Didn't get that far. I was, blew my mind. Was, <laughs> what was like, the out? <laughs> um, no, I can't remember. <laughs> uh, I enjoyed I was going to say, what, what did you want me to say, Josh? We uh, had a guy call up and he was dating a goat. <laughs> that was well, yeah, no, I thought like I did go to sort of pets for some reason. I don't know. That's like, illegal. Uh, yeah. What's that, that called? Is a What's bestiality. The bestiality. Not good. Yeah, that's, that's your illegal, own bro. issues um, you need to deal but, with, Josh. <laughs> well, um, you have an issue with uh, dumplings. You were talking the other day. On your show about things that is it things that you burp, burp up or things that oh you, god you really have gone deep yeah. um yeah is that, that, is that how deep, deep your show to the dumplings yeah. you out of it i thought I it was know, interesting i don't know what it is but you know how obviously certain types of people and i find it quite interesting mm-hmm. there's certain types of food that just don't sit well with with different people and mm. dumplings for me is a big no-no but I just can't stay away from them and I know that I have to stay away from people then for the next yeah. three hours. I remember hearing somewhere that someone said to me that uh, if you really love a food, yeah. you actually potentially have a very small sort of like uh, allergy yes. to it or like, no, no you really? don't. Yeah, so like if you love cheese, potentially... Um, yeah, you, you shouldn't shouldn't have so much. Yeah, well, I was going to say lactose intolerant. Holy <laughs> shit! But I love some cheese. Do you, you take the lacto tea, like lactose, like the uh, lactose or whatever it is? 
So I only friggin' found out about these things mm. like a year ago. You're um, just having a milkshake no, and shitting yourself like every time. <laughs> yeah, I like to ride the wave, Josh. That's me. No, no, I, I get that. But I was thinking um, Hungry Jacks. I wanted to bring this up. First yeah. of all, in New Zealand, is there Hungry Jacks? So, yeah, they have Burger King here. Oh, and right. every yeah. time I say Hungry Jacks, I get roasted for it. And everyone's <laughs> like, it's Burger King. And I'm like, you know what I'm talking yeah. You've also got Wendy's, side note. But oh, yeah, no, Denny's yeah. as well. Have you ever had oh. Denny's? Um, I got a staph infection from the first time I went there last <laughs> year. What were you doing, mate? <laughs> How do you? Involved just eating the food. Um, no, I'm just kidding. No, I went there, pretty basic. It's like Sizzler, but you're still back in 1992, I think. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but no, I was going to say Hungry Jacks. Yeah. I feel like it's one of those things where for days I feel like I'm sweating out the um the flame grilled <laughs> smell makes its way through my so that's entire what body. It is for you then. Yeah, yeah, hungry oh. jacks definitely. I mean, I've been at a nightclub and burped, and I'd been for a souvlaki, you know, an hour yeah. before. And the funny <laughs> thing is, no one knew where it came from. Did you see everyone going? Oh, 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 oh. It's the smell of when the dishwasher's open. You know, it's <laughs> fucking disgusting. And you have to try and get away from it. Terrible. <laughs> have you ever had what a contact? What would you rather? Yeah, would you on. rather be caught in a in a burp or would you rather smell someone's fart or someone's burp? Burp. Yeah, burp any day of the week. Yeah. I no, think. I think I'd rather smell their fart. Like I'm talking really? a real rancid burp. I think a rancid burp is connected to the food they ate. Like well, a fart has to have gone if, through if, their whole system. If you're burping and it smells like sh- like actual shit like a mm. fart can yeah you've got real serious yeah, gut yeah, yeah. problems yeah no that's true have you ever been <laughs> yeah, told off be by a uh, a piece of content that was too much for radio all the time take your pick um <laughs> i think i'm constantly pushing the boundary and pushing the line um i'm trying to think of something i've been told off for recently you know what i did do recently and I, you know it was probably and i hate to bring it back to farts i swear this will be the last time i talk about farts on this podcast but i did a piece of content where uh it was probably about uh eight or nine months ago and i'd started dating someone and I decided that I would record the audio of me farting in front of them for the first time mm-hmm. um, and getting their reaction and playing that out on the air because I feel like that's a really relatable kind of moment where it's like you mm. go however many months without doing anything like that. It's like you don't fart or shit at all. And then there has to be a certain point in the relationship where you're like, hey, I'm actually a human being. Anyway, so I thought I'd do that as a piece of content and i mean i loved it but i'm Did sure your partner, it was your partner okay with it audience. or like what's I that mean, was your partner okay with it like because i feel like that's the whole thing we're constantly getting in trouble with our partners for going too far on shit or saying stuff you're not meant to say yeah no i definitely checked it off uh yeah. first uh-huh. and um i think it's one of those things especially when I think that anyone you're dating when it's a new relationship and you do this kind of work, it's very hard to kind of grasp at the start. Mm. But I think, you know, it's a part that comes with you and if they really love you, it's a kind of a communication thing where you just need to communicate properly and they'll hopefully understand, you know, and you'll know where the line is, where mm-hmm. it's too far and, you know, obviously okay. Um, but that it- can be quite difficult to navigate at times. I agree. Has your uh, has your mum realize that line because you give your mum hell 
My mum is one of my closest friends, uh, but also such an amazing human being and mother. Um, <laughs> you say also think- enemies. <laughs> <laughs> and also, oh, God, I hate that woman. Uh, no. <laughs> um, she's so great and she she gets it and I think it's been – you know, I don't know how many years I've been tormenting her my whole life, but I think I started recording it back in 2016. But um, she's so great and so supportive. I don't think there's ever been a time where she was like, don't put that anywhere. Like there's mm. never been a time. She just laughs it off and she thinks it's funny. She also gets recognised and people love her. So I think she kind of <laughs> loves that now secretly. <laughs> what's um What's been the biggest uh, difference that you've noticed between the radio industry in New Zealand versus Australia? There's no fucking delay here. <laughs> what does that mean? Did you guys know that? What do you mean? So, you know, Tommy, you would know that when you work in radio, there's like a seven-second delay oh, if you're sure. working in breakfast or whatever. So, there's the no dump, such thing no here. I said, oh, so, yeah, the dump button does not exist. There's no such thing. So if someone says a swear word, just goes there. Oh, that's good. And so is there, I mean, maybe there's, Different rules is in the radio rules. What is it? The you know you had to sit through those sort of induction <laughs> sessions mainly because of Kyle yes. Sanderlands. Um, mm-hmm. Was is that that kind of stuff? Like, is there different rules? Absolutely. I think. I mean, the last company I worked for in Australia was SCA, so there was a ton of rules. And I mean, they use Kyle as Kyle and Jackie O as the examples in all of them. You guys would know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think here it's a lot more lax they haven't had you know those big obviously things that have happened where they've had to put those kind of rules in place yet hopefully never um but yeah that was really interesting and I feel like even language here is a little bit more lax like depending on what time you know you can say certain words I I did get a complaint a couple of months ago for saying boner um (laughs) boner is a great word I, I agree. I think it's, you know, a classic Kiwi Aussie word and uh, there was obviously I caught some woman on a bad day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, there was a... A boner can't ruin any bad, nah. any bad day. If anything, it should make it better, to be <laughs> honest. Jesus <laughs> is one. You can't like, with her. Yeah, saying Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. That's, um, you get a lot of complaints for that. Anything else? Any other yeah, so- complainers? Yeah, or even like, oh, my God, you know, saying stuff like that or no. Uh, well, if we are getting complaints for that, they don't show it to us because obviously they don't care too much. Yeah, <laughs> no, I like that. And so, um, you know, the radio bubble in Australia is, it's. It, I mean, if you're sort of in it, it feels like the industry is quite big. Does it feel like the industry is big or bigger in New Zealand? Um. I think it definitely feels smaller here. Like in Australia, there's obviously so many like regional and provincial and you've got all these stations, which I think makes Australian radio such a great industry to work in because you've got so much opportunity. Whereas here in New Zealand, it's kind of like in the future where they've gotten rid of most regional and um, provincial kind of stations and it's all based out of Auckland, except for a few stations uh, that are um, like the older stations like the hits they still have a few regional markets still going but yeah it definitely feels like there's two companies here and we're pretty much battling it out against each Mm. other with you know all of the sister stations whatever they've got we've got a sister station and so on so Mm -hmm. yeah but i mean it's it makes it even more competitive i think 
Yeah, I, I feel like you made a name for yourself in Australia with the digital content. How supportive or sort of um, open to digital content is the New Zealand market? I think when I came over here, Josh, I said to Dean Buchanan, who was essentially the reason why I came over, he pretty much was the guy that plucked me out. I said to him, I was like, I want a full-time digital producer for our show. And I asked for a bunch of other things. Um, and I said, our show is going to do digital better than any other show here in New Zealand. That's what I want to do. Mm -hmm. um, and we made that happen. And we had an amazing digital producer, Ellie Harwood, who actually just left us. She got snapped up by a YouTube channel team called Viva La Dirt. But um, we've created a page that, you know, we've, we, we do really well and um, I think we are, you know, on top in terms of digital contents for our radio show. And then also for my own stuff, I've got a chance to do quite a lot of um, different things. I've done two TV shows now, which I'm really proud of. Um, and I would don't think I would have ever got that opportunity in, you know, so early in Australia. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm really excited uh, that I've had that opportunity to do some TV as well. Celebrity Treasure Island, what, what is that? Because it's a New Zealand show, right? Yeah, so it's a New Zealand. It originally was Treasure Island and essentially it was where Survivor came from. Um, so the format of Treasure Island was first and I actually met the woman who I worked with on the show. Her name's Julie Christie. It was her baby and she kind of, you know, wrote it and whatever and then sold it to you know a bunch of different countries who turned it into survivor um mm. and it's 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 pretty much survivor and then they've turned celebrity treasure island is just where they just get a bunch of celebrities to um compete against each other instead of yeah just normal everyday punters where did you film that because it looked quite tropic it looked yeah awesome. it was uh it was about th nearly four weeks we filmed it in fiji Right. Did you get the buffet? Did you get the all you can eat at night? Or Mate, if I wasn't sweating literally so much, I'd swamp ass the whole time we were filming. <laughs> I would have put on 12 kilos, I reckon. Is swamp ass an official term? What is swamp ass? Imagine it. Just, Josh, does, is it like yeah, spitty no. bum? No, think about it. Swamp ass. Just think about it. Hot, sweaty. Sure. You would have definitely yeah, had yeah. it before. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think yeah. I've got Swamp Pass now. <laughs> <laughs> I have I it quite often. Yeah. Yeah. No, actually, uh, um, my girlfriend, Bree, we call it um, uh, the smell of Dale because when we went on a, <laughs> went on a flight uh, to Phuket in 2011 yeah. and we met an Aussie kid, he would have been only 10 years old, with his mum. And he smelt like dirty ass because he'd just been fucking on the flight, but he was pumped to be in, to go to Phuket. And so now uh, there's only been a couple of times that Bree has said to me, oh, fuck, you smell like Dale, go have a shower. <laughs> but you know, that that's sort of like the biggest slur you can get. Dale would be, fuck, Dale would be uh, 19, right? I wonder what Dale's doing. No. Can you imagine? He could, he could release his own fragrance, the smell of Dale. <laughs> yeah, Dale, yeah. Out of Dalesford, you know, there's definitely something Yeah, it'd there. be great. What do you tell people when uh, people reach out to you and they say, hey, I'm in regional radio, I want to, I've got this dream, I want to be doing what you're doing. What do you tell mm -hmm. people in 2020? I think 
don't give up. If you really want to do it, I know that's such a generic fucking thing to say, but the people who really want to do it and and really kind of get there, you'll never give up. And I had multiple people like tell me multiple times, uh, what, are you, what are you doing? You should just give up. And I've been doing a weekend show for about three years with Daniel Gaunt. And we just never wanted to give up. I was like, I want to see if I can do it and I believe that I can do it. And um, I think that would be one thing because um, obviously if you want to be doing that, you can't give up. So that makes sense. Uh, and probably the other thing is just try and think outside the box and do something different that someone else isn't doing and I know that's so fucking hard these days because everyone has done everything in radio um but yeah just do something that's quintessentially you and and I think roll with that because that's gonna set you apart from everyone else mm. I mean it's it's what are the, it's stars aligning like uh they wanted an Aussie luck, for a too. New Zealand right, show yeah, I mean, you've been grinding for years. How much do you think that your social media had to do with landing this NZ gig? I definitely, I think my social media stuff got me noticed, um, which I think was probably, you know, it's always the hardest hurdle of being like, hey, someone give me an opportunity. I can do this like job I know I can like I just need someone to give me a platform and 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 a go um and I think yeah definitely I'm not going to sit here and say that it didn't give me a leg up it definitely did it got me noticed and I talked to Dean Buchanan one day about this because I said you know what was it my social media that you know kind of drew you to me and he goes your social media was the thing I noticed first but I listened to a lot of your radio and that's what made me want to sign you do you have to care about music? I don't think so. <laughs> but I do. Yeah. Like I do. I, I love music. It actually like fuels me. I'm, mm-hmm. I've always loved it. Um, but, I mean, I think everyone has their, you know, their things and I don't think like if someone says you have to be really passionate about music to do a, a radio drive show, I'd say, well, that's your opinion and mm-hmm. I, I just don't think so, no. Mm-hmm. And so, and uh, who are you? Because you're not on radio, so <laughs> fuck off. And so, yeah, and so all right. how how long have you been in the radio industry? Then, when what was your first gig? Um, my first gig. Well, I wouldn't count the student radio station that I did a show on at UQ. Um, but if you would count that, that would be back in 2010. Mm-hmm. So I'd say probably 10 years. And did you think, like, I feel like people in radio, they uh, are comfortable with moving around. Did you ever think that you were going to go overseas? Absolutely not. Um, Mm -hmm. I thought moving to Gosford from Brisbane was Mm -hmm. a massive move. Um, And then when I got this opportunity and this offer to come here, I... It took me six months, boys, to make the decision. It was the hardest decision I've ever had to make because I loved the job that I was doing in Gosford with Daniel Gaunt and SCA. Um, But I think what pushed me to go was would I regret not taking an opportunity and I thought, yeah, I was going to regret it. So I needed to go. Even if if it was going to fail, I needed to take the leap and, you know, just see if I could do it. Yeah. It seems like uh, with radio – uh, they famously just put random people together and hope that there's some form of chemistry. What's your... What do you 
what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, what's your thoughts on it? Have you um, have you come up with your own compass as a way of determining whether someone's the right fit for you from a duo perspective? I think that is such a hard thing. Like it's such a hard question to answer. And so, like, I don't think if people had figured it out, mm-hmm. we would have a hundred more Kyle and Jackie O's, you know, mm-hmm. um, and I don't think there is a particular algorithm or I think the main thing that I would probably say is that whatever duo you get put into, you need to put in just as much effort off the air as you do on the air um, to really have that kind of connection with that person. And and I think it all bases from a good friendship and you need to have that if you're going to have a a really great connection and chemistry on air. That's my opinion. And I'm sure there'd be people who think differently, but Mm -hmm. um, in terms of myself, that's what I think really works. Yeah. I mean, how do you build a relationship uh, with somebody when you're both getting paid? And so it's, it's a weird one because for me, I don't think I can play that game because it's not that I Mm. don't like the other person, but it's like, you know what you're there to do. Mm-hmm. And so Josh and I started as mates and now we hate each other, but we, you know, yeah, we do this because it, we know. make a million bucks a year. Yeah. <laughs> it's, um, Each. Right, right. It's a podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But how, how do you do it? Do you, um, what, are the, what are the steps to building a relationship when you know you're going mm-hmm. into it going, we need to build this? What's our steps to do it? Just go out, get on the piss, and, uh, <laughs> fart, <laughs> eat dumplings. Yeah, yeah. Shit yourself. Have a milkshake. I know it's like I know it sounds like a joke, but I'm being so serious. Like going out and having a few drinks, and like actually just you know shooting the shit when you're not at work, um, stuff like that. And I think it's it's really interesting here in New Zealand. Um, we have to travel quite a lot together um, as a team, so I think especially when you're away on those trips where you're spending time that you normally wouldn't in an everyday kind of, you know, job or life, it brings you closer together because you have to lean on each other because they are kind of like your support and family when you're away on those mm-hmm. trips. So I think that helps. Um, but, yeah, I reckon going going out, getting on the piss and um, having some real conversations every now and then. How much are you looking to the future from a career, career perspective? Josh, in terms of career, I just want to have a long-ass career in radio, whatever Mm -hmm. that may be. I mean, I'd love to, you know, obviously go as high as I could go or do as much as I could, but at the moment I just really enjoy doing radio every day and I think I'm very lucky to have a job like that, especially in the current climate, Um, and I'm just really um, thankful for that. So in terms of looking to the future. I've got a few projects of my own that I really want to get off the ground. Um, So they're probably more my focus at the moment, but then still, you know, kicking ass in our our kind of survey category here in New Zealand is what I want to tackle first, I think. What's also challenging I've felt in the past is um, regional stuff. You're with a co-host that has their own dreams and goals. And so, um, mm-hmm. Is there any difference when you do get it to a metro or drive time show that's quite, you know, it's a, you're on a huge show in, in New Zealand. Are you more, are you in communication with your co-host about what your goals are individually and also as a team? 
We have talked about, you know, that type of stuff before and we've obviously, I think the main things we talk about is what we want to tackle together in the next, you know, however many years um, and making sure that even with our producers, we're a very tight-knit team and having that same kind of goal, whether that be a long-term one or you set, you know, shorter goals for yourself or, and we're all working towards that same thing uh, because if, you, if you're if you not united, it makes it very difficult, I think. How do you go with feedback or criticism? Um. <laughs> That's an interesting question, Josh. I think back in the day when I first started posting things to social media and I remember the first time one of my videos got posted to Unilad, which, I mean, is a community of million bajillions of people, um, and I made the mistake of reading some of the comments <laughs> on there. Don't read what um, the lads say. <laughs> Which not not the nicest. I think one of my favourites though, because I I uh, saw the comedy comedy in it. Someone said, "Oh, this chick looks like Cara Delevingne if she was uh, fat and on meth." And I thought that was quite funny. Um, <laughs> I thought fat still and Cara on meth Delevingne, is an though. interesting combo too, as well, because yeah, yeah, you'd yeah. think like you're, you're yeah. really having to counter that. Yeah, you're really fucked up if you're on <laughs> meth and you're super fat. <laughs> and so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Seems weird. What um, an achievement! I thought. I know exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and so the the calories feedback, in, calories out. The feedback. Who do you um? Who do you listen to when it comes to feedback? There's a few people um, I think that I kind of look to. Craig Bruce is a consultant here at ZM, so we often have um, my my boss Ross is walking past, um, and uh, Craig we have um, yeah air checks with him every now and then, and I catch up with him for dinner when he comes over to New Zealand and just kind of chat about you know whatever, um, which. It's so weird to sit across from him sometimes because I'm like, you are the Craig Bruce and like him and I are just, you know, down on a few bloody beers at the pub. Um, but uh, I do like hearing, I like to take it from quite a few people because I think if you take it from one person, then you're going to run into trouble because it, it's like an asshole. Everyone has an mm. opinion, but mm. doesn't necessarily mean, you know, they're, they're good to look at. Um, so <laughs> I think, I like to look at a bunch. Um, so Craig would be one, Dean Buchanan, someone else. Yeah. Um, my boss, Ross, um, and even even my colleagues, like, you know, they're there every day. They're the ones that are seeing, you know, stuff I do day in and day out. Mm-hmm. So, and probably those guys as well. What about what about outside the bubble? Like, um, you know. Non-radio. Your mum's. I mean, I, I like to yeah, look to my Reddit, wife and I it's like if my wife's cool Reddit. with it, fucking it's, I'm cool with it. Oh, so you, you, you run everything past her and what if she thinks it's funny or if she's like okay with it, that's that's good to go? It's more when I, you know, if I cross the line, if these, you know, other fuckers are saying I have and she says no, I'm like, well, I haven't. <laughs> it's <laughs> Right. I see what you're saying. Like where do you look to for support if you, you are copping a bit of shit or whatever? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely, definitely. My partner and um, uh, my close friends. I usually run things past them, but I mean, you know, uh, Tommy, as you probably would realize, they can be biased. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. know, yeah, that's why I do it. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly. always supportive. No, okay. yeah. Just to make uh, yourself feel better. Yeah. So uh, CB is actually doing an air check of this podcast on Friday. It's the yeah. very first air check because I I've come from behind Isn't the this scenes. One? You, it's <laughs> no, no, no. This this might make the. Uh, uh, make the app that he I, listens to. So yeah. I, so I, I front footed it and said, "Hey CB, 
you know, you are a, um, you know, a massive industry content person. Would you do this for us? And he, he, um, he said yes, which was super generous. Any, any tips for me going into it? Like how does, how does an air check for someone who's never had one, how does it work? And um, should I prepare my responses for him now? <laughs> Yeah, so um, Josh and Aircheck pretty much prepare um, for them to harp on about really little things, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. like how you say certain words, mm-hmm. and I then they also my harp owls, on about which I, I'm fixing. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Because you do a podcast, you probably won't get um, you know little things like if the if the news is two minutes late, but just mm-hmm. be wary of that. They might bring that in somehow. They love to bring that stuff in. Nah, mm-hmm. In all seriousness, Craig Bruce is probably uh, one of my favourite people uh, ever to be air checked by. Maybe because he's so lovely and um, uh, complimentary of me because uh, I pay him well. Um, it's the same with Tommy's wife. I think wife, it's just a good chance. What's that, Josh? It's the same with Tommy's wife. That's why he, he yeah. likes it. Right, right. Yeah, Fair yeah. enough, yeah. <laughs> I think an air check is just a great chance to, um, you know, get someone's perspective that's not yourself or not your co-hosts where they're a listener, you know, mm-hmm. and they're kind of hearing things that you never would. And I love constructive criticism. I hate criticism, but I love constructive criticism and I wish I got more of it because I think – if you take it well and you can put it into practice or see where they're coming from, you can only grow and, mm-hmm. and get better. So, What's nah, something that fine. you've taken Craig's on from, from an air check that you've actually implemented? Um, recently? Mm-hmm. There's been yeah, so many. That can be, can be um, old school or any that stand out to you where it's like, oh, fuck, a bit of an aha moment. Yeah, I think probably one of the main ones, and I tend to fucking waffle, as you've probably heard on this podcast already, and I can hear myself doing it. Um, that's a, a good example. This is what it's for. This is, um, this is great. Probably just getting to the fucking point um, <laughs> and hooking someone in straight away and then just giving them the meat, you know. Um, I tend to be someone who I love to talk and, and waffle, so... That's definitely something I've taken from air checks, which is real early shit. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, yeah, I think, to be honest, Craig doesn't give us much negative feedback these days. Like he just gives us stuff where we can kind of change and tweak certain benchmarks and stuff like that, um, which can you tell him I want some more constructive criticism? That'd be yeah, good. Yeah, sure, definitely. Give, give some to yourself. What would it be if you were to sort of analyse and it can't be waffling? Mm. I think at the moment I literally had an, a moment yesterday where I was like I need to thoroughly think more about how I want breaks to play out um, and it's not every time but there was a few times yesterday in the show where I was like if I had a thought about this more and kind of sh- put a little bit more structure in I could have got a really great moment on air, but I was a bit fucking lazy and I didn't do that. So that's something that I think I'm focusing on at the moment. Mm. I wonder if there's, do you think anyone doesn't work well with uh, receiving constructive criticism? Like I think about Joe Rogan and the people from the outside set that were saying too long, short, less of this, more of that. He didn't listen to any of them Mm. and he's become the biggest podcast in the world. I just like finding a reason to push back. But I think it's to good honest. to get that stuff. Like I find part of it is it's like what's the obvious thing? So the feedback is around like what are what are people thinking mm. 
And then you can use your own filter system around uh, is it the right way to go or not. I mean, there's nothing better than feeling like you are onto something and other people have no clue. Mm-hmm. Like, I guess that's what Rogan would have felt like when he's like, you guys don't get it. And especially like for you, Bree, you're in a top mm-hmm. spot in radio. It's like you're doing a lot right. And so maybe that's why Brucey doesn't. Uh, well, yeah, you just need to defend your position. You just need to not fuck it up now, I guess. <laughs> and you got there because you got there <laughs> so because you were you were good good at your job. And so that's, yeah. I guess, like, but I guess that's the other interesting thing is it's like how do you develop or how do you sort of progress? Have you changed much as a broadcaster or a content creator, do you think, over the last sort of five or ten years? I think... I think I've just gotten more life experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing that I haven't, I get told all the time, especially by Craig and by, um, you know, other people, they're like, the reason why I think I am relatable to the audience is because I'm not very radio. Um, even though I've been doing radio for a long time now and I try and I try and not have much of a filter and I try and do stuff where I am a bit crass sometimes because that's actually me and I'm not, I don't want to change myself um, because I think that's when the audience really connect with you when you're actually being your true self on the air, which is really hard to do sometimes. And there's moments, I mean, I had a moment about six, six or seven weeks ago where I talked about my mental health on the air and I said, I just need to say right now I'm really struggling and I'm, you know, my anxiety is really bad and I just wanted to be real because I feel like we don't talk about this stuff enough, but if I can help one person that might be feeling like that and they see me who they look at as someone who never has any worries or, you know, issues and they can feel comfort in the sense that they're not alone, like it's it's very normal, then I'm going to do that stuff. And and it was hard, like it's it's really hard to talk about that personal stuff, but I want to be that type of broadcaster where I'm just mm-hmm. so honest and genuine with our audience. Is there a distinction of personal like stuff that you keep close versus stuff that you broadcast? Do you think that there is a line? Um, my mum would say no, there is no line. <laughs> um, I think there's a really kind of small part um which I'm still working on um, and it's probably, you know, my relationship stuff I keep quite private even though I told you about the farting thing mm-hmm. earlier. There's quite a lot of my relationship that I do keep for myself and I think it's mainly because, I mean, I signed up for this life, my partner didn't. So, mm-hmm. um, but I think you do need to like try and share some of that stuff but, yeah, you just need to pick and choose the stuff where obviously you do need to keep certain things as just private and for yourself and so with your mum using that as an example like obviously you've sort of lent into that what do you think the difference is between your relationship with your partner versus say your mum is there a a distinction there um I think I have to live with my partner every day I don't Mm -hmm. have to live with my mum every day (laughs) um so, you know, that might have something to do with it. I can mm-hmm. kind of get out of there if shit goes south. Nah, I think my mum and I um, just have a really good understanding, I think, of I just know her so well and she knows me so well and she knows that I would never um, put her in a position that was going to be, you know, um, bad or 
going to paint either of us in a horrible light. So I mm-hmm. think we've been doing it for such a long time now and she just she just rolls with the punches, which is the reason I love her so much and she laughs it off. So I think that's probably the biggest difference is that mm-hmm. we don't live together. Talking about the anxiety stuff, was there anything that in your role or your job that you find flares up or makes anxiety or mental health things worse? Yeah, absolutely. I think especially the culture that we're living in at the moment, you know, everyone is is like ready at the keyboard to say something or bring you down, you know, like and I feel like even if that's not the case, that's mm-hmm. the kind of I guess vibe that is is floating around at the moment. So I was even talking about this with my co-host Clint the other day, like him and I were both like saying that we're just a little bit more on edge these days just because you know, one wrong thing that you say or whatever, you know, people will come after you with pitchforks kind of thing. So that definitely takes a toll on you. And like, you're always trying to please everyone and not upset people and, you know, be the best person you can be. And sometimes that gets quite tiring, I think. How do you do it in a three minute talk break? Talk about mental health, (laughs) because it deserves at least six (laughs) I think I did take about six and, and uh, my boss didn't have a go at me for that, which was really nice of him. Um, I think I did it in a way where I didn't, it wasn't a sob story for me and I, I pretty much like premised it with like I have my dream job and my dream life. Like I love living my life every day but that doesn't mean that I don't have down days and shit days as well and I think that's something that's probably, you know, a little bit kind of faded into the background is that people think if you have all everything, all your ducks in a row and everything perfect, that you are happy constantly and everything is perfect and you never have a bad day. And I just think I want to break that kind of um, ideology because it's not true. Like we all it's have- It's so annoying though, isn't it? Because yeah. like yeah. we're th- I feel like we- we expect that you're going to arrive. Like I've got no doubt that I'm like, okay, when we have a bigger space and I have like a clean desk and I can like, and it's a sunny day, like it's going to be, everything's going to be fucking great. But then uh, my girlfriend Bree said the other day, she said, um, oh, like maybe, it was quite depressing actually. She, she said, uh, maybe you'll never be happy, <laughs> which, uh, which, sounds very, which sounds very depressing. And I picked her up on it straight away. I said, oh, well, you're projecting that on me now. Now I'm never going to be happy. But I just, I'm always wanting the next thing. And I'm like, when I get here, I'll do this. Did you think when you got to where you are now, were you expecting to be happier than what you are? I think... You're all, yeah, you're always, and I think it's human nature for us to always be like, oh, once I get that new car or once I go on that, once I get on holidays or go on that trip or you're always, I've, I've really tried to, I think the hardest thing and I watched that, have you guys seen that Michael Jordan documentary? I yes. haven't yet, but yeah. um, I've heard yeah. it's very good. It's great. You should watch it. I'm not going to ruin it for you, but the biggest thing that I took from that documentary was one, a, a guy that knew Michael Jordan, um, Uh, really well he said the biggest thing about Michael Jordan that set him apart from the rest was not his amazing athletic ability or drive or anything like that he said it was his ability to literally live in the moment all the time um 
And just hearing that, I was like, wow, that's such like an eye-opener thing because I think so many of us don't do that. Like Mm -hmm. we're always thinking about, you know, what happens when this or like what about, you know, and things – you think of stuff from the past and that holds you back from doing something or, you know, whereas they said, yeah, Michael Jordan just lived in the present and him being able to do that, that's why he was so amazing and so good. Um, and I, I I really try and do that these days because I think you lose sight of, you know, if you're always looking for the next thing, you're not enjoying what you're doing right now. And to me, that's what it's all about. Like mm-hmm. you need to be enjoying life and and loving what you do in the moment. What about ambition? Like I feel like in some ways when you're in a regional station or wherever it is and then you're moving on, there is a sense that you're only there temporarily and you're going to move on. Is that sort Mm -hmm. of a treadmill that you actively have to stand off when you get a role like you have now? It, it It's such a hard one and I feel for all those people in the regional markets because sometimes you feel like you're never going to get off that treadmill. Mm-hmm. But I think like we just spoke about before, you need to concentrate about absolutely killing it in that moment, in that show that you're in right now because if you're not focused on that, I don't think it'll be very difficult to get that opportunity for the next step because you need to be killing it in what you're doing like right now. Did you do that? Like I could imagine that you being so ambitious with the digital content and video. I remember when I was doing digital content for FIFA and Jules, the criticism that Sam Cav would have on Jules was, mate, you're spending too much time on this video piece here. No, like the audience, are through, you know, it, all that matters is what's going through the speakers was sort of the classic line. They would say, how do you consider focus with all, all of this stuff when you do have these other interests? I've been, yeah, it's it's quite, I've got a guy who's kind of, uh, he's managing me now and deals with a lot of that back-end stuff, like all the mm-hmm. other things that I'm kind of doing. I think you need to think about what is your main focus and your main goal, and for me that is doing a great radio show every day. Um, and then, you know, you put that as priority number one and then um, everything kind of falls underneath that. But I think, to be honest, I believe your digital is just as important as what's going through the speakers these days because mm-hmm. it's such a massive opportunity. You could get someone who gets a radio survey book that's never heard your radio show in the car or ever. They've never listened to a podcast, never heard the show, but they could have watched a hundred videos of yours on Facebook and been like, I fucking love those guys. I'm going to give them a tick in the book. Mm-hmm. So for me, I feel like it's a real opportunity in that digital space to do really well and get, it's another platform to pretty much, you know, be able to have ticks in those radio books to me. That's how I see it. Mm. And the, the other challenge is, uh, in the noisy environment comparing to other people. So it's like you may have a radio show, but then you're looking to someone who has this ginormous YouTube channel. Have you have you struggled with comparison in the past or current? What do you mean in terms of like... Um... Oh, just looking left, you know, even when you're in a great position. I find I do it. It's like I'm looking left at what other people are going, fucking that looks good. Wouldn't mind a bit of that fame, that success, that money. I mean, it's just an easy go-to, right? Tommy, absolutely. I think it's human nature. We all do it. Um, And there's always, you know, someone where you're looking at, oh, that's a great idea. Damn it, why didn't I think of that? I'd love to be doing that. 
Um, and most of, the, most of the time the people that I'm looking at are my mates. Like even you guys, I look at like what you're doing and I, I envy, you know, what you guys are doing. And it just means that I, I (laughs) right. No, but I, I I do like, and I think it's like, it's a really cool thing. And I, I just want to be doing everything, you know, and I feel Mm -hmm. like if you've got that drive and ambition, you do want to have your finger in every pie. Like I know I do. I just want to be doing, doing everything, doing more, doing it bigger. And so where do you land with it all? Like I've gotten real dark in the past few weeks where I'm like, you know, the world's going to end, you know, like it's all, what, yeah, what does it yeah. matter anyway? Like uh, watching um, you know, documentaries on the Great Depression and plagues and you know, all fun stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. So do you find that your uh, ambition or your, um, you know, just your vibe has been hit with all the stuff that's happening in the world right now? I think for sure. I think if someone says no, they're probably um, asleep or they're like not really that connected to what's going on. Like it's very heavy. Like, and to be honest, like Josh, I feel like since being here in New Zealand, I've had a, well, our show has had a pretty tough trot in terms of, you know, we had the Christchurch shootings, which um, that was the hardest radio show that I've ever had to do where that news broke half an hour before we went to air. We had a whole show prepared and literally scrapped the whole thing and had to do this, you know, show where we couldn't believe what we were hearing and all we were trying to do was only talk about things that have been, you know, reported as fact and just give out information to people that might help them. But it was one of the hardest show, like radio shows I've ever done and probably will ever do. Like it was just crazy. Did and you feel prepared for with- that? Like I guess there is a distinction between journalists and radio presenters. Like I feel like radio presenters could go their whole life without necessarily going dialing in, you know, just reporting facts and, and talking that, you know, this sort of news cycle. Did you feel prepared when you went on air that day? Absolutely not. I didn't. I was kind of like deer in the headlights. I was like, what is going on? Like this is like it was also just dealing with the fact that something like this was happening to people and it was so close to, you know, um, I like I've got friends and um, stuff down there and I think it was – no, I did not feel prepared, but once those microphones went on, I was prepared. Mm-hmm. Um, and that might have just been, you know, obviously I've had however many years in radio now or my, you know, um, my instincts just kicked in. But, um, yeah, it, it was it was a really full-on and overwhelming day and something that went on not just for a day, like weeks, a mm-hmm. number of weeks. And so did you, um, what was your default? Like, cause I, there's some interesting content on YouTube where they take all the New York radio stations when nine 11 happened and just hearing, uh, how people talk about it and things like that. Did you find that in that moment you went to a specific style of talking or a specific filter? I think Josh, my style is just, I just go into friend or family mode and I just want to talk to people that listen to our show and be there for them as someone like that. I know that sounds really weird, but I just go into this like 
nurturing type of mode and I just talk mm. to them because they are, they feel like we are their friends and we, they listen to us every day and I, I want them to feel like that because we are there for them and that's, you know, a part of our job. And I think I just go into that super caring and, um, you know, probably just nurturing mode. That's, t- I just, it's just default. I just can't help it. That's just what comes out, I think. Did you, were you on air for the seven weeks that you're all locked down? Yeah, so we were, I was working from home for a part of it and then we had a week or two weeks off and then the rest we were on air. It was a really strange time because you felt mm. like no one was listening at all. Mm. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's weird. And, and how much content have you got from around the house, to be honest? It's, um, <laughs> you know, it's... Yeah. Built a fire again. In the house board and I'm in that. What was that song? I'm in the house board. I mean, what yeah, about um, I, escapism it, in regards to like commercial? I feel like commercial radio, there's a bit of escapism in it. Um, obviously, there are subjects that you just need to cover. But I've even noticed that everything seems heightened at the moment. And you see you know, companies would... Um, talk about certain issues like there's been certain issues like say black lives matter where all uh, most companies seem to go and talk about it um but then there's a, a longer tail of social issues that then are starting to spike up and gain traction and then i guess we need to ask ourselves as people who are doing podcasts as companies as a, as a broadcaster what is our responsibility in talking about that how much do we have to say about that um, versus how much of our role is around escapism. Where where have you found that balance? That's so interesting you say that. I remember when all this kind of COVID stuff was really getting grim, um, there was moments where I was like, I just want to provide a, some light entertainment and an escape for people. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was literally where I think we – did that and then there was moments where we kicked into hey we need to have a real like obviously chat about how people are feeling and what's actually going on for a minute or two and I think for probably about three or four weeks um, every now and then we'd do a segment on our show where I think it was I think it was called cup of tea and a biscuit and cup it was just where dumpling. people got to call up <laughs> what's that cup of tea and a dumpling it wasn't worth it. This Cup is the problem with remote. Um, you, you get your, your shit joke a second chance. It's never worth it. If you don't hear me, just laugh. But yeah, go on. Nah, you always go for it though. Second time. <laughs> that, that um, and yeah, people just called up and we just literally had a chat about what was going on for them and how they were feeling and, you know, what was lockdown like um, because you had to kind of convey that because – you know, and so I think we picked and choose those moments, but I think majority, I would say it was 80% escapism and light and fun. And then, you know, every now and then we'd bring in some of that, you know, we'd give them all the live updates or the stuff that they needed to know, but 80% we were there to, you know, do fart jokes and, you know, <laughs> burp up dumplings. Yeah. What's on the show today? It's in a couple of hours time. Um. What is on the show today? That's a great question. Hold on, I can tell you. I've got the run, go, sheet the run sheet here. I mean, is it back in my back in my day? It was um, Gawker, uh, Buzzfeed, News.com.au. They were the sort of the tabs you had open. What do you What do you got open in yep. NZ? What's the New Zealand side? I I love a bit of News.com.au just because 
I feel like I, I can take one of their stories and twist it and make it my own. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, I love a bit of uni lad. Don't mind a bit of their stuff. Love it. Um, the Herald, which is like you, you always got to put some local in there. So I've always got the Herald, the Herald cranking and what else? Buzzfeed's not really a thing anymore, is it? Nah, nah. Back in the day, <laughs> I died. Australia definitely. And so, what's the run sheet like um, for for someone who's not in radio? Uh, yes. How does it work? How many pieces of content do you need to come to a show with? And um, how do you work out whether something requires a phoner where you get people to ring in versus something that's just a rave where you're talking? You could answer this, Tommy, as well. You've done a lot in radio as well, right? Um, I think you get to know your audience and like where phoners probably sing the most and I think it needs to be always a balance like for us we tend to do in an hour if if you've got a good phoner then you you put it in um I I think people go wrong where they're like oh that's where we do a phoner so we have to jam a phoner in there whereas I don't really have that sensibility I'm like yes if you've got it then you put it in but if you don't don't try and make something you know uh cram in which isn't going to work but I think a balance like a phoner an hour and some like maybe a benchmark and some single pieces of content, maybe mm-hmm. something topical, maybe something personal. Usually, is a good mix. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and think, do you? Um, how do you go in. with um, Jason PJ? Have mentioned that they sometimes struggle when they get guests in. That that's not necessarily their uh, their strong suit. Well, how do you go when it comes to guests? Do you have any sort of tactics or strategies around? how to do a good interview? I think, especially because we're doing drive, um, I think if you have a good idea that plays to your audience and somehow involves the guests that you're having in, that's when we say yes to interviews. If we don't have a good idea or something funny or fresh that um, we can do with the person, then we tend to stay away from them. That's just our kind of take on that stuff. Um, and we're lucky that we do have the luxury of um, picking and choosing sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think, yeah, try and tailor a particular idea to that person because they're not they're going to appreciate it because they're probably doing a thousand bloody interviews in the day and everyone's asking them the same boring old question. Um, and it also makes it fun for your audience and something that you can tailor towards. You know that your you know your audience is going to enjoy. Yeah, and then, and then you get a. It could just be their personality at the time. Like mm-hmm. if they're tired and shit, it'd be that's what I find hard about the radio. Like being slotted with a celebrity. Well, yeah, when it's they're a real just challenge. Doing so if you can nail it, it's yeah. fucking you've done well. Any Stand big fuck out. ups? Any any uh any times where it's just gone really poorly? Oh, take your pick. Bernard Fanning <laughs> wasn't a big fan of me, I know that. Um Oh really? Why do you say that? What happened? <laughs> We, it wasn't even in studio. It was a phone interview. I just remember being devastated because I fucking love Powderfinger and I love him. And uh, I think we just caught him on a bad day, like Tommy said, and he just was not keen, was not laughing at any jokes, um, <laughs> just not up for it. Uh, mm-hmm. And then more recently, do you guys know BB Rexa? No. Who's BB Rexa? She's uh, a singer from America. Um, she sings that song... Something like if you let it be, let it. I'm not a singer. Anyway, oh, it's quite a big song. Let it be by the Beatles. BB Rexa, 
B B E B E and then Rexa R E X H A. Yeah. Last hurrah. She's pretty famous. And so what were you saying about her, sorry? So we came up with this idea because at the time she was promoting a song called I'm a Mess. So -hmm. we came up with this idea where we created this fake game show uh, where (laughs) she was going to go against me and Mm -hmm. my co-host Clint was going to ask us questions, essentially ask her the simplest, easiest questions ever and me questions that I was never, ever going to get. If you got a question wrong, the other person got to pretty much pour heaps of gross shit on you. Anyway, she rolled in and she had this amazing Balenciaga leather jacket on and I was obsessed with it. I was like, oh, my God, that jacket's so nice. Anyway, her management was not keen on the idea and then she was keen on the idea and then they kind of had a bit of a fight and they she was like, I'm not going to get anything on my jacket and that's when she got a bit too into it and pied me in the face with this cake and it just went all over this jacket. And I was oh. like, I need to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> she, it's, it's memorable at least. I'm sure, I mean, if she said she's up for it, what was she the jacket worth? It. Six grand? I think the jacket was worth about 10 grand. I Oof. asked her and she said it was worth about 10 grand. Solid. If you, do you reckon um, there's that sort of cliche or the thing that I found was the, um, the bigger the guest the more humble. So if they're if they're sort of the A-listers, they're Will Ferrells, Justin Bieber's super lovely in person, um, person who just came fourth in Australian Idol, a bit of an asshole. <laughs> is is that a is that a common thing? Yeah, I th- I think so. And I- I'm trying to think back of some of the interviews that I've done, and like mm-hmm. all the big stars, yeah, that I've interviewed have been so lovely. Like uh, the big ones, like. Shania Twain or Kelly Clarkson or, um, you know, the ones that stand out to me, like David Guetta was one of the nicest dudes ever and he was at his peak when we interviewed him. And he was just so, like, down to earth. He was like, I'm eating a bacon sandwich. And we were like, just what a legend. Like, we just loved him. So (laughs) I I do find that. um, But I do find that most people tend to be fine. Um, I think it's just you have to remember and I think if you acknowledge at the start of the interview, has it been a long day of interviews, like, you know, is this quite punishing? We'll, we'll get you in and out kind of thing. And I think they kind of appreciate that, especially mm-hmm. celebrities who do a lot of them. So that's probably something that I tend to do, being like, oh, you know, what number interview is this? Like, we'll get <laughs> you in and out. Thanks for doing it kind of thing. Okay, quick cream pie and you're all, you know, in the face and you're done. Yeah, and then you're <laughs> on your way. <laughs> Awesome. Uh, Breed, thanks so much for coming on the show. It's It's been awesome watching. Um, we've been watching your career from afar and um, like seeing you kick goals in New Zealand and all that sort of thing has been awesome. Um, so thanks so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me, boys. Um, and I've been watching you guys. I know this sounds like a ruse, but I have. <laughs> and like I said, I um, I really respect what you guys are doing and I know the dedication and the drive that it takes. And you guys are absolutely kicking your own goals. I just wanted to bring one last thing up. Tommy, oh, yeah, sure. Yes. do you remember Here we go. before oh. I ever did any social media, I messaged you and said we should do some collabs together? Do you ever remember that? Fuck, I don't know. I can check my Facebook. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's only no. just got it back, his Facebook. I know. <laughs> no, I think I do. Well, here it is. Here's the collab. Do what do you guys want to do? It, do you mate. want to do a TikTok right now? This what can we do? Yeah, what well, that's do? what I thought. I, I I was gonna say, Tommy, the offer's still there. Let me know. Um, and we can we can make that collab happen. Mate, let's do this. 
I can give you guys a two shot now if you if you've got something. But I mean, what are you what are you going to do? There's not much, mate. Great ideas take time. So let's just. I do. We'll. We'll work on something. Off air. My people we'll work it off air. will liaise with your people and <laughs> yeah, assume yeah. your people and your wife and your gorgeous <laughs> yeah, exactly. son. Exactly, yeah. So, I.E., I'll buzz um, you later. <laughs> yeah, cool. Awesome. Sounds Thanks, good. Buddy. No, I really appreciate you guys having me on. Keep doing what you're doing and um, we'll, we'll chat soon. Awesome. Thanks, Bray. Thanks, it's Bray. Uh, the Daily Talk Show. See you tomorrow, guys. Have a good one. See you, guys.